morning. Thank you, Brian. Nice to see you. Um, yeah, my name's John. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm one of the leaders here at Hope, and uh, I'm married to Nick, and uh, we've got three kids, Joel, Jemima, and Emily. Um, and this morning, um, I think over the last few weeks, um, I've just been appreciating just how much of God's message throughout the Bible is a story of love. It's a story of love right from the beginning right to the end. It's a message of grace. If you read the Old Testament, you see all these different characters. Throughout the Old Testament, it's a story of just how these different characters may be walking with God at times, but then they turn their back on God. They run away. They reject him. They reject his way. They think they can do it in their own strength. They can do it their own way. But it's a story about how God chases them. He pursues them. And he, and he loves them. And he pours out his grace upon them. It's a story of grace right through that Old Testament. And then you get to the New Testament. And you just get the greatest demonstration of grace with Jesus on the cross. And it's a beautiful moment when we just see Jesus on the cross. And that's the biggest grace moment in history. And then the rest of the New Testament is just unpacking that, applying that, and applying it to our lives. And, it's, and that's the, the beauty of the Bible. Right from the beginning, right to the end. It's this message of grace about how God wants to meet with his people, how he wants to have a relationship with his people. So this morning, if you've not guessed, um, I'm going to be talking about grace, and we're going to look at one of the greatest um, chapters in the Bible that just unpacks grace, um, and it's in Romans 5. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, it'd be great if you could just join along with me. It's quite a, a long passage, so if you, if you want to read along, it does help. Um, I'm going to start at verse 15. And we're going to go to the end. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as a result of the one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of the one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where the trespass increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's just an amazing passage. And there's so much in there to unpack. And, and Paul, the author of the book of Romans, is just kind of um, doing this... GCSE exercise kind of where he's comparing and contrasting Adam's disobedience, Adam's, the effects of Adam's disobedience, the effects of Adam's sin against the righteousness and the grace that Jesus Christ brings. And it's amazing. So we're just going to unpack that a bit and we're hopefully discover something more of what I've entitled this talk, the super abundance of God's grace, which is just the overflowing sense of God's grace that comes from him. And hopefully as, as we come to the end, we will conclude that God's grace completely overwhelms, outstrips, overwrites, overweighs the power of sin. 
So let's just look at the first um, thing, where it's the, the, the trespass versus the gift. In verse 15 it says, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace, if the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And it's, it, it, I think as you look at this comparison between the, the trespass and the gift, and all the comparisons that we're going to look at today, you're going to see it's not, it's not a fair comparison. The contrast is just huge. What Jesus did on the cross in his grace just completely outweighs what Adam did in his disobedience and sin. You can't really compare it. It's a bit like Man United playing Liverpool. Easy, Si, easy. When Man United beat Liverpool 1-0. But it's not like Liverpool going to Old Trafford and beating Man United 1-0. It's far better than that. It's like Liverpool returning to Old Trafford and winning 100-0. This is how good it is. It's just not a fair comparison. It's not a fair contrast. So you have to remember, in the beginning, Adam walked with God. He was righteous. He was walking with him. He had friendship with him. He had an open relationship with God. But then there was one act of disobedience. It just took one act of disobedience. He, he, he turned his back on God. He thought, I, I can do it my own way. I can, I can be like God if I, if I just eat from that tree of good and knowledge. And it just took one act. And for me, that speaks just of how much God hates sin. How much sin just repulses him. How much sin just, he just detests sin. He can't be in the presence of sin. God is just so holy. And set apart from, from us that you just can't be in the presence of sin. God had to say, go. Leave my presence. But not only did that, God brought condemnation. He brought death in, an, in that one moment of sin. Death came. And death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. And we'll go into that in a bit more in a moment. It just took one moment of disobedience. It took one trespass. And God said, that's enough. I can't be in the presence of sin. This is where it gets exciting. Because it says, How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? The one man's sin brought the reign of death. But Christ Jesus, he brought righteousness, he brought grace. What does this how much more mean? It, mean, it, it means, it's not just talking about um, quantity, it's not talking about how long it, it, will, it will last, but it's saying more definitively. How much more definitive is what Christ did on the cross? Before Jesus died on the cross, death reigned over us. Death reigned over us when we were born, when we came into this world, death reigned. But it was penciled in over our, over our names. It was penciled in. But when Jesus died on that cross, in that very moment, when he died, that was rubbed out when we say we believe in him, when we accept his reign of grace. And Christ Jesus writes our name in the book of life, in indelible ink. It can't be rubbed out. And again, we'll look at that in a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. It's amazing that when Christ in that moment, the gift of righteousness we receive, the trespass was, was done away with. It didn't matter anymore. But also, we're going to look at grace versus judgment. Now, as a result of Adam's sin, it was right that God had to judge sin. He had to bring a judgment. 
because he is holy and just. And as a result of that, he brought condemnation and death. And condemnation is an appropriate response to sin. It's appropriate. But grace is so completely different to that. In spite of all our sin, in spite of everything we've done, it's, it's, it, why are we justified? Why are we made righteous in the sight of God? Why is it that, as if I've just never sinned? I've received justification as if I've never sinned as a result of um, what Christ did on the cross. It's completely inappropriate. It's comp- what we deserved was condemnation. What we deserved was death. But what Christ brought was righteousness. He brought freedom. He brought justification. And we can now stand before our King and worship Him completely free. The other thing I just love about this passage was that it's, it just took one act of sin. It just took one act of sin and God brought condemnation. But it says there were many trespasses. There were many sins. And yet Jesus brought, Jesus brought his grace. He brought his freedom. And you'd think, logic says, if, there's many con- if there were many trespasses, there were many sins, then surely there's many condemnations that should come. Many, surely there should be many punishments. But God says, no, I will bring my grace. I'll bring my justification after all that sin. He knew when he went to the cross, he knew the level of sin. He knew everything that had been committed, and yet he still went to the cross, and he brought justification. It just makes that act of grace so much more shocking because of just what everything that had happened. It just took one act of sin that brought condemnation. But so many sins were committed and yet Jesus brought his reign of grace. It's just amazing. And the key thing that Paul just repeats time and time again in these verses, it's a free gift. Five times he says between verses 15 and 17, it's a free gift that I give to you. It's a free gift of righteousness. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's not how well we perform or how well we do. It's a free gift of righteousness that all we have to do is receive. It's not that I get up every morning, read my Bible for four hours, then pray for another six hours, come to church every Sunday morning, go and feed the homeless in my lunch break. That doesn't make me a better Christian. It doesn't make me righteous. The very thing that makes me righteous is the free gift of Jesus Christ that is super abundant and available to all. The next point, I just wanted to contrast, it says that since when Adam um, sinned, he had a reign of death. Death, was, death came into the world as a result of the condemnation. But it says, it's when Christ died on the cross, when he brought the free gift of righteousness, he introduced a reign of life. So I just want to look at that just briefly. It says... When you look at the, the, the verse really clearly, it says that Paul, using his statement, um, this, this, the concept of the, the reign of death, and that death reigned as a result of Adam's sin. And consequently, you'd think, as in the second verse, when sin reigned and death reigned, then it, it, it bring, the, the second clause in that would be life, that life would come. But it doesn't just say life would come, but it says that we will reign in life. That as a result of what Jesus achieved on the cross, as a, as a result of what he did for us, we will reign in life. We will reign in Jesus Christ. We shall be with our King. So we're no longer subject to death. We're no longer subject just to life, but we are actually reigning in King Jesus. We are reigning in heaven with him. And we are reigning here on earth. It's because of his super abundant grace. It's a precious gift that we receive. 
The last thing I just wanted to look at briefly was just the contrast between law and grace. And the, I was, remember being sat on a train with one of my friends once, and we were coming back from Birmingham, and we were just chatting about um, the free gift of grace. And, and he was saying to me, but why the law? Why did God give the law? What was the purpose of the law? And I couldn't give an answer. And I went home, and I, and I read my Bible, and I came to this verse where it says, the law was added so that trespasses might increase. But where, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And that is just an amazing verse, isn't it? Where, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So the law was given. God gave the law to, so that people understood what sin was. They understood what hurt God, what broke his heart. How it, how it, um, so, so we know exactly what coveting is. We know that that hurts God. We know that what sin is. The law defines what sin is. And therefore, we know what we're doing. The law, but the law had no power. The law had, couldn't stop us sinning. It couldn't, it, the, Paul describes it later on in the words, like an impotent husband that has no power, has no say. He can't bring life. The law could only tell us what sin was. It was only by Jesus Christ coming to this earth and making us righteous in his sight. He was able to fulfill the requirements of the law. It's an amazing provision of grace. So we thank him. Sorry, I feel like I'm racing this morning. Apologies. But there's just four characteristics of grace. I just want to bring out and I've um, called them the four R's of grace and the first one is it's, it's redeeming grace we all need a saviour we all need God's redemption the fact is that we've all fallen short of the glory of God we've all, we've, we've all messed up and none of us on our own can meet the full requirements of the law none of us could meet God's standard of holiness there's no distinction between sin there's not really bad sins over here and all right sins here, and okay sins here, they're all sin. They all hurt God. They're all, um, they're all build barriers between us and God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the law was unable to, to, to make us right before God. The only thing that could make us right before God was Jesus Christ dying on that cross for us. And he redeemed us. And like we said this morning, he says to each one of us, I love you. I did this for you. I love you. I did this for you. And the great thing is, he meets us where we're at. He redeems us from where we're at. We don't have to climb to his standard. We don't have to get to him. He redeems us where we're at, which is amazing. The next point was that God's grace is recklessly lavish. It says in Romans, sorry, in Ephesians 1.7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God's grace is lavish. It's, it's generous. It's extravagant. And he just pours it out upon us and it's available to us all. Jesus' grace moment where he stepped down from the glory of heaven. He was in glory of heaven with his Father. Everything was good. Everything was pure. Everything was holy. And he stepped down from heaven, came to this earth, lived in squalor, went through the torment and the, the pain and the humiliation of the cross. He did that for us. That was his demonstration of his lavish grace. I quite often think, when I talk about lavish, I think about when I go for a cream tea. I do it very rarely, just because of the weight. And as you get your cream tea, you get your scone, you lavish it with a bit of butter. So you get your butter on, then you get a bit of jam, and you just pour on the jam, and it's just lavish. And then the cream, and you just 
just throw the cream all over it and just squeeze it all together and it just all oozes out and it's just this picture of just lavishness and it can just be completely free. And God's grace is just completely lavish. It's completely generous. It's completely available to us all. It's ever flowing. But I was once in um, driving to work with my car share colleague and he wasn't a Christian. And we were just chatting about church and things. And on our way down, I was, he was just asking, what kind of church are you? And, and his question to me, are you one of those churches that believes that anybody could be saved? Are you one of those churches that believes even the vilest sinner could be saved? And I said, yes. And he couldn't get his head around it. It was offensive to him. But how can that person, that ugliest, vilest person be saved? He just couldn't get his head around it. What I often think of that moment on the cross where Jesus is hung on the cross and next to him he's getting abuse from, from the guy next to him and the other guy next to him says, shut up, don't you know who he is? And it, there in that moment, as he's hung on the cross, probably some sort of criminal, some sort of murder or something, and he's hung on the cross and Jesus says, the next day you'll be with me in paradise. And it just takes a moment, a moment of grace to be able to just trans- transition from that life of death to reigning with Christ. It just takes a moment. And uh, it, it's a beautiful thing, grace. No matter what our backgrounds, no matter who we are, no matter where we've come from, it just takes a moment of grace and we can be reigning, we can be reigning with our King in glory. Next point would be that grace is reassuring. It's not just reassuring, but you can receive total assurance from grace. Martin Lloyd-Jones says grace is indelible, which means it's been written in the book of life. It can't be rubbed out. No matter how hard you try, you can't rub it out. Your name was written on the scars of his hands. Your name was written in his heart, and it will be there forever. There's no matter what you can do, you can try and push him away. You can try and do endless sins to try and push him away, but the thing is, you, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus. And you can't flip and flop out of, out of grace. You've been saved by grace. And you can be totally assured. So you don't have to fear death anymore. Death has lost its sting over you. Death used to be the greatest enemy. But Christ on that cross had that victory. And therefore we are, have total assurance in him. No matter what we do, we are saved by his grace. It's an amazing thing. I love that for, um, story in John where all the righteous people come to Jesus and they, they drag this woman of adultery she's been caught in adultery and they say um, they try and get Jesus to condemn her and he says those who um, have committed no sin throw the first stone and they gradually just step away because they all know they're not right before God and Jesus looks up at the woman and says I don't condemn you Stop sinning. Just live in, live in freedom. Stop sinning. And it, Jesus says to, you, says to us, don't conde- I don't condemn you. Stop sinning. Stop doing the things that hurt me. But it's about relationship. It's about a relationship of love. So when we sin, it hurts that relationship. Well, it doesn't mean God doesn't love us anymore. It doesn't mean that we, we can't have that relationship and that access to Jesus anymore. We have complete freedom and access to our King. And the last point I just wanted to, to say was just God's grace is this restoration in God's grace. It may be that you've been, you've been walking for a while 
feeling quite dry or you've been caught up in sin and you've been doing things that just you know that hurt God but there's restoration in God's grace you can just come back to him and say Lord forgive me we know we're assured we know that we have a firm standing before God but it means we can come to him and just say Lord forgive me for my sin forgive me let's 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 walk together again let's build that relationship again I love the character of Peter in the Bible where he's just so enthusiastic he's so um, he's just a real character and Jesus prophesies over him that you, you're going to deny me three times. And in that crucifixion couple of days, he, he, he denies Jesus time and time again. And then the cock crows and Jesus dies on the cross. You can just imagine the guilt, the shame, the hurt that he must feel because of, what, of the denial of Jesus. But when they're reunited after the cross, when Jesus has come back, Peter just welcomes him. And he just says, feed my lambs feed my lambs. He welcomes him and commissions him to go and do things for him. And Jesus is just dying for us to come back and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And he wants to commission us again. He wants us to get back up and running and serving him in his kingdom. It's a relationship of love. Our relationship with Jesus is a relationship of love. It's an amazing thing. And I know I've I've rambled a bit this morning. And uh, and sometimes I just wish I was a um, a songwriter who can just, some of these songwriters can say what I've just said in about 30 minutes in, in just one verse. And I just thought I'd read one verse that just says it all for me. Um, and it's from Here is Love After the Ocean. And it's verse 2 where it says, On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above, just overflowed, abounding grace came from that cross. And it says, and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed the guilty world in love. And it's just a beautiful picture of just God on the cross and just that grace overflowing, kissing that guilty world. And just, I'm just so thankful that God saved me. I'm just so thankful, excuse me. I'm just so thankful that he poured his grace out upon me, took me, and I can walk with him. I can have a relationship with him. So just in true Hope Church Richard Thomas style, we've got to have a so what. So the first thing would be receive God's unconditional grace. You may be here for the first time this morning. You may not know Jesus as your saviour. It's an opportunity to say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. Come and fill me with your grace. It may be you've, you've, been, you've known Jesus a while, but you've you've backslid a bit, you've maybe stepped out the groove with him. It's a time just to come and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to walk with you again. But it may be that you're loving his grace and you just need more. Then just receive more of his grace. Just receive more of his grace this morning. Secondly, it'd be walk in the freedom of grace. Like I said at the very beginning, you can't earn God's love. You can't earn your righteousness. You can't earn Um, you're standing before Jesus he's already done it on the cross so walk in the freedom of it don't try and keep earning your salvation but also remember you are free from condemnation it's a relationship of love it's not a relationship of law remember God says when you become a Christian 
He makes the active decision to say, I'm going to remember your sins no more. He chooses not to remember your sin. So I encourage you this morning, don't remember your sin. Let it go. It's behind you. Walk in the freedom of, your, um, of the grace of God. Remember that you are a child of God. You're no longer a sinner. As soon as you, you give your life to Jesus, you become that child. You're a child of God. Third point would be, be assured. Know that you are saved. Know that your life is written in it, on his hands, written on his heart. Remember, it's not your grip on him that matters. It's not your faithfulness to him that matters. It's his grip on you. It's his faithfulness, and we can depend upon him. And lastly, it would be demonstrate God's grace. We at Hope Church very much believe a foundation of who we are is grace. We receive grace from God, but also we have to give grace out. So we pray time and time again that this building will be full of people from this city. The reality is this world is in a mess. Every day I read the news, I think this world's in a mess and it needs the grace of Jesus. And we pray that those doors are flung open, that people come in and discover grace. And we pray that those people, we know that those people are going to be pretty messed up. And, and we pray that they come in and that we will be gracious to them. We will meet them where they're at and we'll be all accepting as God is all accepting of us. And we will welcome them with open arms and say, come and walk with us. Come on a journey with us. Discover our King. Discover our Saviour. So let's be gracious as God, as God has been gracious to us. I'm going to invite the band back up. And I just thought it'd be great just to finish with a song of worship. It's a time to take communion. Um, we can receive God's grace through communion. We can receive, celebrate the fact that we are righteous before him, that we have free access to his throne room. Through, um, through communion. It's an opportunity just to, just to break the bread, take the wine, and just remember what Jesus did on that cross. And at that very moment, death was defeated. Death has lost its sting, and we can celebrate that on the cross. So let's take communion together. Let's, um, let's worship and celebrate Jesus for his grace. I'm just going to pray as we do that. Father, we thank you that you poured out your super abundant grace. Lord, it's available to all. It's available for all of us. So Father, we just pray, Lord God, come and remind us of your grace. Lord, thank you that your grace is lavish. Thank you that your grace is generous. Thank you your grace is exuberant. Lord, and that we can all receive it. Thank you that it is free to receive. Lord, thank you that we don't have to earn your love. We don't have to earn your grace. So Father, we just pray, come and fill us again. Come and fill us again with that fresh sense of your grace, of who we are before you, that we are children of God. We're no longer sinners, but we're free before you. In Jesus' name. Thanks, CJ.